0: What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the HQ. I am Nicholas. That is no at God. On Twitter, make sure you're following both of us. This is Big Dogs Gotta Eat BDG Fantasy Football. Every Wednesday, we are hitting you with our trade targets video. And last week, we, we told you that that was going to be the last one, but we lied. That was a big opinion, not a big fact. And we have one more for you because a lot of people's trade deadlines are either actually probably the day of while you're watching this or on Saturday. Uh, later this week so we figured we spit one more out at you and then next week get to the best streaming options for the playoffs we're going to talk about quarterbacks tight ends defenses and uh, those of whom have the best fantasy playoff matchups and who have the worst Uh, so we'll break down thems for you Noah how we doing sir
1: doing well I think we should just never release that video and just say we're going to keep releasing it and once the season's over be like yeah that's what you should have done
0: what what are we going to do in 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 spite of it though We can't just keep doing trade targets all the way to week 15 and 16.
1: Dynasty trade targets all season, baby. That's not bad. Although most dynasty leagues have a
0: trade deadline.
1: Yeah, mine's Thanksgiving.
0: I just opened, like the Go Fade Me one, they were asking and I was like, nah, it's open for year-round business, baby. We just don't have a fucking trade (laughs) deadline. So I'm I'm waiting to see some really fucking ignorant trades go through during like weeks 14 and 15, like Yannick sending Michael Thomas for five first round picks (laughs) or something.
1: Yeah, he showed me a picture with Michael Thomas in a trade. I'm not going to out him right now, but it wasn't very good. So, whoever's trying to trade with him, just keep sending him offers. He'll eventually accept. In the go fade me? I think so. He's like, Help me, help me. I'm like, Okay. Yeah, he see. keeps talking. I'm like, Dude, like, you're. He just kept trading all of his picks away during the
0: draft, and he just ended up with. He went with like Mahomes and Luck as his first two, and obviously Luck retired, and then the rest of his team just <laughs> fell apart. So, he says he's in like rebuilding mode, although actually, no, he doesn't even really have any picks left, but he's just starting to like fucking bit off all of his uh his highest players i'm like you just you build the cornerstone of your team around michael thomas like don't trade him off just to, just so that maybe you'll get a michael thomas in the next draft but all right that's enough about our fucking dynasty leagues maybe we will do a dynasty trade target video uh one of the upcoming weeks let us know if that's what you want to see down low in the comment section as well as what some uh off-season stuff you want to see from us that is all we got for right now It's all we got for today end of video hit
1: the intro peace <laughs>
0: All right, so the first couple guys I'm, I'm going to be talking about are, are a group of younger wide receivers. And later on in the video, we're going to talk about some guys that uh, maybe you're up in the air about. You don't know whether to trade or keep them on their team because they've just been underperforming and uh, maybe they're coming off a big game. You're not really sure what to do with them. Guys like Joe Mixon we'll talk about at the end of the video. I want to start off with Christian Kirk, though. Guy finally had his breakout game that we've been waiting for, right? We were really high on him here, especially at the HQ. For this year, he gets hurt, so we can probably chalk up most of his lack of production to the fact that he missed a lot of games. Wasn't highly productive when he was on the field originally, but he comes back, and he's been back for a couple of weeks now. He gets this pristine matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have just been shredded by every single passing group that they've went against. So this was a pretty chalky play, Christian Kirk in DFS, and it was an easy outcome to see coming. He gets 10 targets, six catches, 138 yards, three touchdowns. So RIP to anyone who ended up playing against Christian Kirk this week. Um, And and I'm looking at, you know, what do I do with Christian Kirk? Because he's a guy that people were excited about. And you see the matchup and you kind of know he's going to perform. But now that it comes and he throws you up like a 37-point week, I believe he was the wide receiver one on the week, I still look at this as a sell opportunity. Because what you might be able to pull for Christian Kirk right now from someone else who was also high on Christian Kirk in the beginning of the year, and now they're like, yeah, now he's like finally healthy, rolling, whatever. Um, I would I would be looking to use this window to sell him because if you look at the next few weeks it's all really tough matchups and he still hasn't had his bye yet so when you look at uh when you look at week 11 they're at San Francisco obviously this is a very tough matchup and uh, then they get the buy in week 12 the Rams Pittsburgh Cleveland Seattle so none of them are like really actually easy matchups and I wanted to look at particularly how they were against outside wide receivers because you might think of Kirk and this offense as having a lot of guys running over the middle and running from the slot. But since he has returned in week eight, Christian Kirk has ran 70% of his routes from uh, from the outside. And over the last two weeks, that number has been even higher. It's around like 80 to 82%. So he's become an outside wide receiver. And that does mean more playmaking ability down the field to probably get more deeper shots as, a, as opposed to like those mesh routes that are going over the middle. Um, but I still think in an offense like this where a lot of the passes are dinged, and dunk and these receivers kind of produce on a fantasy level because of their volume and a lot of those, you know, 10-yard outs, eight-yard routes, whatever. Um, that's, that's where I see a lot of the production coming from. Kyler Murray has been fine for fantasy. I know, like, he's quarterback five overall, but that comes with a lot of inconsistency, and you haven't been able to start him week in, week out, and be confident about it. So he's putting up numbers. A lot of that's coming by way of rushing. I don't think he's looked that great passing the ball. He has his moments and his flashes where you're like, holy shit, that's why, you know, you draft a guy like that, number one overall. You can throw some fucking seeds down the field and look really, really good doing it uh, from a deep ball perspective. But I don't know. I just, I just think that you might be able to capitalize on Kirk. And I think more often than not, he's going to give you like in the 8 to 11 range in terms of half PPR fantasy points in the game's upcoming. And not many like, you know, uh, week winning league, uh, week winning performances like 20 plus points where you might think that might be the direction for him coming off of this game.
1: Yeah you have to take into like consideration who they were going up against it was Tampa Bay and he literally got the cornerback that was guarding him fired like he just got cut (laughs) after that game. I didn't even know that. Yeah Hargraves he was like a first round pick and he got like he got cut after this game so that just speaks volumes to who he was playing against Um, and on top of that the third touchdown he scored was like tipped by a linebacker that like anybody with two hands should have like just batted down Um, and it went right through him and right to Christian Kirk and not to take away like numbers from him but like Those are kind of fluke plays that you can't expect week after week, especially with their upcoming matchups at San Francisco, at the Rams. Like, they're only easier matchups, like, based on the chart that you showed to the outside receivers. The Rams 10th most points to outside receivers and Seattle 16th most. Both Mm -hmm. of those are on the road. So it's not going to be, like, easy sledding. And especially if he's playing on the outside, drawing uh, Jalen Ramsey from the Rams, like, that's not going to be a good matchup. Pittsburgh is locking down everybody. Cooper Cup couldn't even, like, get a taste. Like nothing is going on in Pittsburgh that's going to help Christian Kirk produce. And just overall, I don't think this offense is going to be able to like make that push down the stretch with these defenses um, up against them. Like Cliff Kingsbury for like as much as he wants to think he's an offensive guru really hasn't proven anything yet. They still take like a million field goals inside the one yard line. So, um, yeah, as a whole, if there's ever a time to sell him and you actually do have to sell now because it's the deadline. It's right now for Kirk because we've been waiting this entire year for him to produce and he gets the volume, but he just like hasn't done anything with it, really.
0: Yeah. And, and pe- people will go back to the fact that he's been getting so so much volume. Like he has tons of games where he's seen double digit targets. But like I said, that was when he was running in the slot and now he is outside and he got a lot of targets versus Tampa Bay. But, um, you know, that was quick. That was quick. I'm fucking. Well, you know what happens yeah. when I have all these things synced up. I got the laptop, the display, the phone. I see it pop up on the phone way before it starts making noise through the computer. <laughs> Sometimes I'll answer the phone, and then people will be like, "What is that?" And like, dip, do, dip, do, do, like still in the background <laughs> for a good five seconds. So we got quick fingers over here, baby. Uh, I don't remember what the fuck I was talking about. Yeah, talking you're about saying Christian he's Kirk. playing
1: on the outside more, yeah, so, so the targets.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. Okay, so I'm gonna name a couple guys, and we'll see if you would rather have Christian Kirk or. Keenan Allen, rest of the season. Keenan Allen, yeah. Not,
1: not even a homer pick, but they both have a buy-up coming, and their schedule is a little bit more favorable for receivers.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if Keenan Allen really is considered a buy low anymore. I'm, I'm not really sure that he's going to get it back together. Like, I'm, I'm nervous. Their
1: offense is terrible, and they just, I'm pretty sure Okung is hurt, and their right tackle just got hurt. So I don't know what's going to go on with that passing game. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. All right, how about um, Christian Kirk
0: or um, I had a good one somewhere. I was going to say you could you could probably do, like, Christian Kirk and uh, another player for, like, Adam Thielen. I think this is a spot – I know Adam Thielen's hurt right now, but I would probably take Adam Thielen rest of the season, considering – I mean, he might miss another game with the hamstring injury, but Kirk also still has to have his bye. So uh, maybe he misses, you know, the same amount of games going forward. I would rather have Thielen because I think he's got a better ceiling and a better floor.
1: What about um, – I was just going to how- say Minnesota also has a bye in Week 12, but that could also help Thielen getting another week off and then getting the bye week to recover and get him for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that could, that could work, but that would make him miss two games. I would still probably take Thielen over Kirk for the rest of the season because, like I said, I think they're going to give you more wide receiver three ish games than, than week winning games. What about um, what about Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk?
1: I know his schedule is like beautiful upcoming. I don't know, like Atlanta's weird. He not Last- got it done, but they do. Yeah, the schedule
0: is really good but they just lost Austin Hooper, Devonta Freeman, and Mohamed Sunu is out. So I can't imagine, like, Calvin Ridley not having blow-up
1: games over the yeah. next six weeks, you know? And their defense looked, like, awesome last game. I don't know if that's going to keep up, like, Stop. for, for Stop. the sake of yourself. I hope it does, but, like, I don't expect it. So, yeah, I'd take Calvin Ridley just for pure volume and, like, a better offense. I would take Calvin Ridley here rest of the season. Uh, I'm not going to say I feel great about it, but I think, like, that's
0: probably in the – in the range of guys you're looking to flip Kirk for, but you could probably even aim higher if you if you if you uh, you know package him in with another player and, and throw him out there.
1: Yeah, another thing I wanted to bring up, and you kind of brought up with Christian Kirk, like he's seen these targets and he hasn't produced. We're ten weeks into the season. It's not like these guys like we don't know their roles and we don't know who they are at this point of the season, which is why we're telling you to like buy low on guys that we have seen are good but haven't produced uh, lately or we know aren't great but have produced lately and you can sell because we know they're going to like revert back to their old selves. And that kind of works in with Chris Godwin, uh, wide receiver Tampa Bay Buccaneers if you didn't know. He's obviously a buy low because he hasn't been great these past few games and I'm sure everybody's trying to buy him which doesn't really make him a buy low but he's somebody that I'd be willing to pay up for because over these past three games he is averaging less than six receptions a game, less than 60 receiving yards a game, he hasn't scored a touchdown over that span. And the week before that three-week stretch, week seven, they were on a bye. So it's really been four weeks since you've seen Chris Godwin do anything on the field. But what you have to look for in these situations if is if they're still getting opportunities. And Chris Godwin's getting just that. Um, over that three-week span, he's averaging 9.7 targets a game. So even though the production isn't there, like the production that we saw in the first six weeks hasn't been there, the opportunity is there. And I know people may be worried because Jameis Winston came out and said, like, I'm going to throw like 100 balls a game to Mike Evans. We have to get him more involved. Sure, that's true, but it's a consolidated target share. There's only two guys really getting looks. And I know last week O.J. Howard got looks, but that's also maybe an aberration because it was the first time all season he's been used uh, by the red zone and just like in the passing game at all. So we've been seeing Chris Godwin get used recently. He just hasn't produced, but if you just look at his numbers as a whole throughout the season, he's fifth in receptions, fourth in receiving yards, fourth in touchdowns, 13th in air yards, um, he has eight plus targets a game every single week since week four. So although the production recently hasn't been there, as a, like as a whole, it's been there. He's basically like Cooper Cup on steroids. He's like a massive slot receiver, and because of that, he gives you those re- that really high floor, also paired with a really high ceiling. Um, this season, he's only had two games under 10 fantasy points, and I know like you never want to get those like under 10 fantasy points from like a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. So the fact that Chris Godwin can give you that week after week consistency is huge for the playoffs because if, like, your wide receiver one or two has a dud game, that could really swing things. But Godwin's not going to do that for you because, one, his schedule, which we'll cover later, is absolutely gorgeous. And, two, he has a high floor or a high ceiling because he gets looks in the red zone. He gets breakaway plays. Like, last week, one of the final plays of the game, um, James Winston threw him down the right sideline. He almost broke, like, an 80-yard touchdown. It was, like, a shoestring tackle, but it was, like, a 40-yard gain, I'm pretty sure. So. He really has it all to be like a huge fantasy asset down the stretch, like we saw in the beginning of the season. And just looking at his schedule upcoming, I don't see any way he isn't a top five wide receiver. And I would buy him for that price because he gets New Orleans this week, who I believe he went for 125 yards and two touchdowns last time they played. Um, And they're also a pass funnel defense, so it's going to be a shootout, I imagine. Um, Atlanta, who is a little bit better against the run than the pass, and their pass defense is absolutely atrocious, despite last week shutting out Drew Brees. So that's also going to be a game with a lot of volume. Uh, Jacksonville and Indianapolis are middle of the pack, but then 15 and 16, he gets two of like the softest matchups you can get uh, at Detroit and Houston. So he's going to get the volume. He's going to produce. He's going to get the yards, touchdowns. Everything is there for Chris Godwin to be a top five wide receiver from here on out, and it's not like we haven't seen that out of him. So if somebody's selling him off the back of these recent poor performances or just mediocre ones, um, I'd be all over buying him. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm in on, on buying Godwin, too. I don't really know how low you'll be able to buy him just because whoever owns him definitely remembers what happened in the beginning of the year. I think what's happened recently, I mean, like you said, the volume is still there, eight, nine, eight targets, nine targets, 12 targets over the last three games. He just hasn't had the big, you know, breakaway plays that we saw in the beginning of the year. And a lot of the touchdowns recently have gone to either Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber kind of running them up the middle. And Godwin's so involved in the red zone normally. Like, it, as soon as they get near the end zone, Godwin's basically the first look for Winston every time and they've had a lot of like longer touchdowns now O.J. Howard scoring from far out Mike Evans getting these bomb touchdowns so that's been taking away and those will uh, slow down eventually And I think they'll start working back towards Godwin now obviously he got off to uh, a ridiculous pace that you can't really expect him to you, you never expected him to you know continue the season that way nor will he probably finish the season that way but uh, a guy with a floor that's this high with you know, weekly touchdown potential because it's Jameis Winston. So they're never going to be in a game where the passing situation or the passing um, side of things is out of the equation. Like sometimes you look at games and you're just like, ah, this might be a bad script for this offense because they'll start running the ball soon. It's like Jameis will make sure that that's never the case because he's (laughs) going to fumble the ball or throw an interception on one of the first plays of the game every single week and count on it. And he puts himself down every single time. So um, Jameis being a good fantasy quarterback is – Double edged sword of him also being a terrible fantasy and real life quarterback. So, um, I mean, the, the volume is not going anywhere for bo- both Evans nor Godwin. Now, another tandem of wide receivers that I think are definitely good buy candidates are another pair of uh, NFC South receivers. So, they're trying out a lot of receivers over here. We're talking about Ridley, we're talking about Julio, talk about the two Tampa Bay receivers. How about DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel? These guys are getting insane opportunity. And I was looking back since basically Kyle Allen has been the uh, starter here I went back to, to week five because I want to see like recent weeks sometimes I think it's better to look at you know what's happened over the last four or five weeks as opposed to since week one through week 10 because a lot of times you know what happened in week one two three is not relevant ie fucking Sammy Watkins who is still like a top 25 wide receiver somehow but we look since week five DJ Moore has a 26.5% target share Curtis Samuel has a 20.6% target share that's With CMax swallowing up touches, both guys rank within the top 20 in terms of overall targets in the NFL. Now, when I talk about both guys, obviously, DJ Moore has started to, you know, play into his wide receiver one, like, possession, actual alpha in this offense, and he's getting the targets um, along with that title. Curtis Samuel is a a big deep threat, and he seems like a boomer bust guy in fantasy, but he's seeing reliable volume also. I put both of them on this list because, I mean, it's from league to league, from, you know, owner to owner. Some guys are going to like more, some guys aren't. Some guys are going to like Samuel, some guys aren't. I think both of them are worth buying. Uh, Samuel will obviously be the cheaper option just because he doesn't put up the, you know, the number of uh, targets and, and the total volume that DJ Moore has had. But Samuel right now is sixth in the entire NFL in deep targets. He's fourth overall in average depth of target. Problem has been Kyle Allen. Can't hit him. His catchable target rate is 94th amongst wide receivers. His target quality rating, which factors in depth of targets, is 92nd. Will that turn around? That's actually hard to say, um, but you would assume that. I mean, we already got past the bad weeks of him ranking 94th, so you got that shitty accuracy out of the way, and hopefully he gets a little bit more luck and a few of those deep balls you know, start to fall into his, into his pocket. Um, so that is something I do think he has working for him. When you look at Moore, he barely – cracks the top 20 fantasy wide receivers on the year. That's literally only his current pace right now. um, His current pace right now, if you weren't to look at it, you would be shocked. He's on pace for 96 catches and 1,260 yards from scrimmage. So the only thing that's missing there for him to be like a legit back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two is a little bit of the touchdown variance. And if you look at the schedule over the next six weeks, it's crazy. It's Atlanta, it's New Orleans, who might be without Marshawn Lattimore, Washington at Atlanta again, Seattle, Indianapolis. Um, so I think either of them are good buys. I think they have a ridiculously good schedule going into the fantasy playoffs. Both of them are getting a ton of volume. Like they're accounting for almost 47% or more than 47% of the targets coming from Kyle Allen. That's already with Christian McCaffrey seeing all of these touches. So uh, I, would get, I would be fine with either of them. Obviously, Curtis is going to come with a lower price tag. Um, but if you can get DJ Moore from a guy who's like kind of getting sick of these, you know, 12, 13, 14 point games, I think we're going to see a few more touchdowns going forward with more.
1: Yeah, the reason why they're so cheap, in my opinion, is because McCaffrey's there, and everybody just thinks this whole offense is McCaffrey. When you see how this, like, team uses their receivers, like last week in the, like, the pouring snow, or however you want to word that, like, they the they used <laughs> during the snowfall. Uh, DJ Moore was used, I think it was, like, on a third and long, like, on a comeback. Like, that shows just the trust that they have in their offense to use their receivers deep down the field, even in these poor weather conditions. Curtis Samuel is being used in the red zone for a guy who's like 5 foot 9 and like a buck 50 soaking wet. So the team obviously has trust in these two guys. I'm completely in on buying either of them because they're such like DJ Moore is one of the safest floor plays you could have in any type of PPR format just because he'll come down with like seven catches for like 87 yards every single week. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's had that exact stat line maybe four times this year. It's just like such consistent. He's like, he's like John Brown on steroids kind of in like a better offense almost.
0: That is true cuz Would so you rather st- have Christian Kirk or
1: DJ, we'll we'll rank these three, Christian Kirk and the two Carolina receivers going forward rest of the season. i have DJ Moore like far ahead of the other two. I'd probably yeah. still have Kirk ahead of Curtis Samuel though. Just, I, would take, just volume-wise. I would
0: take, yeah, I would take Kirk ahead of Curtis Samuel too, but I think they're probably about in the same range just to give you a, you know, some relative guy for guy when you're looking to move someone like Kirk.
1: Yeah. Um. On the other side of things, a little running back, actually a big running back that we're going to talk about as a sell high. Mark Ingram, running back, Baltimore Ravens. The reason I'm going to sell high on him is because whether you like it or not, or whether you've noticed or not, he is so touchdown dependent. And I know he's been scoring a lot, so that's kind of been masked. But if you look at his output um, this season, right, he's not really getting a ton of volume on the ground. Most of his points have come from finding the end zone, which isn't really predictive. I mean, you look at his touchdown numbers through the weeks, put up uh, two, then zero, then three, then zero, one, one, zero, zero, one. So obviously, touchdowns are hard to predict, especially when you have Gus Edwards spelling you at the goal line, um, or when you're a big Gus Edwards just comes in and takes snaps. Uh, Lamar Jackson getting a bunch of touches inside the red zone. Um, You look at Mark Ingram's red zone touch share, like his red zone rush share, um, he's only seen 40.6% of the team's red zone rushes, which is actually a pretty low number when you're expecting like a workhorse um, value out of a player. Mm -hmm. And on the goal line, he's only seen 57.9% of their carries. Lamar Jackson has seen a ton of those even Gus Edwards in the New England game, like that game wasn't like out of hand by any question, but Gus, Gus Edwards just came in and scored a touchdown. So if you want to play that card, like, oh, they're going to be in a perfect game script for Mark Ingram to put up points and score touchdowns. That's not really the case because even if they're up big and it's a perfect running script, Gus Edwards is still, he still has that frame to get in on the goal line, uh, steal those touches from Mark Ingram. And that's been a problem all year. And I know Mark Ingram has been scoring, but If you take away these touchdowns, and I know that's not completely fair to do, but if you take away the touchdowns, he's only put up 10 half PPR fantasy points three times this season, which is an extremely low floor for somebody who you can't really rely on a touchdown week after week if he's not the only one getting the touches on the goal line. Like somebody like Derrick Henry, who we're also a little bit lower on despite him running straight through Kansas City's face last week. um, At least he gets all the touches on the goal line. At least he gets like 20, 25 touches a game. Marking room doesn't have that Like, you can't say that about Mark Ingram. And I know it's a great offense, and I know he has the potential to score every week. But going into the playoffs, especially with his upcoming schedule, Houston, the Rams, San Francisco, Buffalo, who I know Buffalo and New York aren't great defenses, or they haven't been great recently. But New York is very good against the run, terrible against the pass. And then Cleveland. Like, other than Buffalo and Cleveland, he doesn't have a game where you can just, like, maybe pencil in a touchdown. And if he's not going to get you a touchdown, we've already seen, we talked about the numbers, that he isn't going to give you a good floor not over running back one or running back two, like a price that you could sell him for right now, I try to ship him off. Like in my home league, and I know, I know this is like not a fair trade or it might not seem fair, but somebody shipped off Mark Ingram, DJ Moore for Saquon Barkley. And if that's a price you can get, and I know Barkley hasn't been productive, but he still has that name value. If you can make a package like that and maybe get an Alvin Kamara um, or an Aaron Jones, I'd 100% go for somebody like that.
0: Yeah, I, I doubt you'd be able to shoot that high, but I mean, the, the, the theoretical you know, what he's saying behind it makes sense. Mark Ingram is a guy just like Philip Lindsay, who basically every time he has a big game, we put him on this list because there are bad games coming afterwards. I mean, the beginning of the year is probably, I didn't do the calculations right now, but he has, I would say he had probably 45% of his fantasy points within weeks one, just weeks one and three, but from weeks one to three, he probably had about 45% of his fantasy points. Um, So since then, from weeks four through 10, he hasn't had a game over 14 and a half Half PPR fantasy points, so he is he's not giving you any sort of ceiling, and that's what happens when you get a guy like you said, not getting all the red zone touches, and he's not catching balls either. He has um, Mm -hmm. less than seven receiving yards in five out of the nine games. Uh, He has one game over two catches this year. It's just like I mean, it's everything we thought he was going to be in the beginning of the year. He is getting a good amount of touches, so he has a floor in terms of rushing total. But like, I don't want guys on my team if if I have a, a chance to sell a guy who I know is touchdown dependent, is not involved in the passing game. Like if he was a little bit more involved in the passing game, I'd be like, okay, you know, he's getting three to four catches a week. He has a really solid floor, but that's just not the case with him. So there are going to be a lot of games where if he's bottled up on the ground, he has like one, two, three, four, five, five out of the nine games that he's played in, he's been under four yards to carry. Um, so you're not even getting that much efficiency out of him. There are just big games where he just kind of explodes and, and that's really it. So if you have a game on the schedule where you're like, oh, this is going to be a big Baltimore uh, favorite game then that's a, an area where you could do that but if you look at the next four four weeks Houston LA San Fran Buffalo just like run defense aside just the games in, in, in themselves like I don't see Baltimore dominating any of those games so it's not necessarily a game where Mark Ingram's going to get more than 50 to 60 percent of the uh, of the snaps
1: yeah and if you just watch them play like I noticed a lot that he calls like to be taken out of the game and I'm not sure that's going to like affect him in the long run him wearing down but if he can't catch his breath, like just in the middle of games, and I know he's an older player and he's a little bit heavier, but like, I'm not sure if that's, I know we talked about James Conner. I mean, he'll, never play he'll never play in four minute drills. He'll never play yeah. in
0: two drills, which is a big part of the passing game.
1: Yeah. And we talked about James Conner maybe wearing down, down the stretch because we've seen that in his past two years. And I'm not saying Mark Ingram's going to go down the same path where he gets hurt, but um, it's a little bit concerning when the guy's playing like 50% of the snaps and he's still getting winded out there. Yeah. Uh, um. So, I don't know about Mark Ingram. I'd get him
0: out if I could for, uh, for someone. Let me ask you. I want, I want to talk about Joe Mixon for, for a minute. Who
1: would you take rest of season, Mixon or Ingram? Ingram. I, I don't know what to expect out of a Cincinnati offense.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking at Joe Mixon, and I was like, he's coming off this. I don't – this was fucking magic. How do, you, <laughs> how do you lose by 30 points but give your running back over 30 touches, 30 carries? Play for the Bengals. That's easy. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Like, there, I can't imagine if someone went back into the archives or someone's good with numbers or whatever, go find this. The last time – I want to know what the highest carry total was for a running back on a team that lost by the number of points they lost by. This has to be a record. He's coming off this game where he, get, he, he got 32 touches. And you're like, holy shit, Mixon's, Mixon's bike. And, and the storyline would, would tell you so, except for he didn't do shit with it, really. I mean, he got over 100 yards rushing, but, like, he's not catching balls. He's not getting in the end zone. The big, the big key here, though, is what's happening with Gio. He, he has his knee sprain, and supposedly he's not supposed to miss that much time. But maybe they want to see what they have in some of their rookie running backs that they drafted this year. Maybe they give him three weeks off or something like that. I don't really know. When I look at this Bengals backfield, these two are the only two to even have a single touch on the year. It's either Mixon or Geo. No other running back has touched the ball this year. I'm looking. I'm looking at Mixon, right? He's been obviously a massive disappointment if you are uh, someone who drafted him in the first or second round. He's averaging just under 10 fantasy points a game. Geo is just under four fantasy points a game. So if you combine the two, right? Assuming Geo misses time, Mixon will probably continue to get somewhere from like 25-ish. He'll get around that 25-ish touch total. I'd imagine he'll turn that into around 13 and a half, 14 and a half. You know fantasy points, which is right around that mid RB two range. The Philip Lindsay's, the Ingrams, the David Johnson prior to him turning into like fifty year old David Johnson. So Joe Mixon's in an area where I'm not really sure what I want to do because Gio had run more routes than Mixon on the year, one forty one to one thirty eight. So like you could see that Mixon Mixon has the three down capability. Obviously he's a great pass catcher. They just didn't they never used him in that part of the game. So I'm wondering if Gio misses time. Does Mixon continue to get 20 carries in games that he shouldn't get him in and still see, like, five to six targets? Because if so, Mixon could be – like, you could you could list him as a buy low candidate just because he's been so bad this year. And if you're a Mixon owner, you're like, I want no fucking part of this guy. You could also list him as a sell high because he just got 32 touches. And you look at the schedule for the remaining um, – for the remaining season, I mean, there's good games, there's bad games. Oakland, Pittsburgh, Jets, Cleveland, New England's obviously really tough. And then he has Miami in the championship week. So that could be, like, a league winning week. So I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on what to do with Mixon just because he's been kind of like toying with us all year. Uh, I'm curious to see if you have any, any thoughts on the matter.
1: Yeah, I think it really depends on your roster construction. If right now Joe Mixon, like say you drafted him in like the second round, but you hit on your first round pick who was a running back and maybe you got a sleeper or somebody off of waivers, and Joe Mixon is currently your RB3, I'd be selling him because there's no point of having him like – Actually, no, I'd be, actually, I'd be keeping him in that situation because as an RB3, um, with those decent games coming up, like against Miami, as you said, um, as a flex play, I'd be fine with having him. If he's like your RB1 right now, I'd be trying to ship him off because you know all season um, he's been unproductive for you. And if you can trade him for somebody who maybe had a few down games, I know we're not super high on uh, Wasn't Marlon Mack upcoming with his upcoming schedule. But even then, I probably prefer Mack just because we know this team is going to commit to Mack in the run game. Whereas Joe Mixon, we've seen this year him have like eight, nine carries in the game. And I'm not sure like with Ryan Finley at quarterback that he's going to like do any favors for this offense, giving them good field positions and bring them into scoring situations. Yeah. He's like, they want nothing to do with Finley. The fact that they gave him 30
0: carries just tells you how, you know, how, how much they, they're, they're nervous about giving the ball to Finley. And that's, I, I think that's probably what we're going to see going forward. But Mixon, Mixon has been, RB 36 on the year, points per game. I guess a a few spots up if you take out people that probably haven't qualified due to the amount of games they've played. But, man, that is so fucking disappointing for people that drafted him. Guess how many rushing touchdowns Joe Mixon has this year? Two. Zero. Jesus Christ. (laughs) that's out of control. 131. He's got to be the the most carries without a rushing touchdown, which is fucking insane. But uh, Mixon's a talented player. He's trapped in a bad offense. He also, like, doesn't really look great either. He's almost like he almost looks like the David Johnson or David Johnson like should be a really explosive player, but he's kind of falling off and you could see all of his athleticism and explosiveness kind of going with him as he ages, but Mixon's really young. It just, I don't know if it's like this offense and, and just the, the lack of success just kind of zapping the energy out of him, but um, he runs hard. I just, I mean, we're seeing no breakaway plays whatsoever for a guy who ran like a four, four forty or something along those lines. So I don't know. Mixon do whatever the fuck you want with it. Let us know what you do with Mixon. If you're a Mixon owner, are you looking to sell him right now? Or are you going to keep them based off of the game that we just saw?
1: Yeah. Another guy who ran like a 4-4 but doesn't bring any breakaway players is Ronald Jones of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the reason why I'm Second selling <laughs> the reason why I'm selling him high is because these past two weeks, one, they've just been strange, right? He had like 19 carries for 70 something yards. He scored a touchdown. Bruce Arians comes out and he's like, Oh yeah, he's gonna be our lead back. Um, he looks electric out there. He's way better than Peyton Barber, but I'm not saying Peyton Barber's bad. Like, just throwing everybody under the bus, even though Peyton Barber can't fit under any type of bus. Um, mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, then, the next game, plays less snaps than the game before. He fumbles, but he catches eight passes. So everything here is just like a complete enigma. Um, the thing you got to look at, though, is there's this tweet by at NotJDaigle. Um, shout out to you. Uh, he posted something about Ronald Jones catches. In high school, he had seven catches. Last game, he had eight catches. So he caught more balls against, what was it, Arizona than he did his entire four years in high school. Um, At USC, during his junior season or senior season, 14 catches. Obviously, that's only six more than he had in one game. His rookie season, he had seven. Uh, Prior to week 10, he had eight. He matched that number in one game. So this passing usage, and like coming out of college, this was a huge knock on him that he wasn't a natural pass catcher. I guess it's a subjective take, but he's proved it that, like, he can't really be trusted all too much. It's not a subjective take at all. (laughs) Very objective. Most objective thing that's ever been set (laughs) up. So if he's not going to be a reliable pass catcher, which I wouldn't say is out of the equation just because he caught eight passes this past week. um, If he's not going to catch you a bunch of passes, if he's losing snaps to Peyton Barber, like, last week Peyton Barber scored a goal line touchdown after Ronald Jones fumbled. So if they're just going to start shying away from him because he can't be trusted, even though Peyton Barber or even though uh, Bruce Arians wanted to trust him, what do you really have in Ronald Jones? He's more of like a desperation flex play that you hope he gets a red zone touch or you hope uh, Jameis Winston has a bunch of defenders in his face that he's going to have to dump off to. And you're going to have to hope Ronald Jones is on the field for those snaps. So I think he's a really low ceiling, low low floor player. And just talking about his breakaway runs, Like that was a huge part of his game coming out of college. And I was like, basically the only pro was his speed. Well, the guy put on like 25 pounds and took away his only positive and his longest run in his NFL career is 25 yards. So he's not giving you these long rushes that he's going to outrun a ton of guys on. Um, So I, I just don't think that there's any boom plays for him. I don't think there's any floor for him because he's not really a consistent player. And we've seen that like we're 10 weeks into the season. He hasn't been able to get a role. He's had a few games where he had like 75, 80 rushing yards. And the week after, he plays like two-thirds of the snaps that he played the previous week. So this team has shown no commitment to him. And just looking at his upcoming schedule, he gets New Orleans, Atlanta. I know they're not a great defense, but they're better against the run than the pass. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Detroit, Houston. Week 15 is the only really favorable game that they get. Um, you look at week 16, your championship, that's a pass-funnel defense against Houston. Week 14, Indianapolis has been has allowed very few points to running backs, despite them having a low run defense grade. So that could be a, like a mediocre game script for him. But then again, he's not dominating snaps. He's not in an offense that's going to commit to the run anytime soon. So if you're trying to like maybe buy Joe Mixon and you have the ability to go out and take that risk, um, if you could flip Ronald Jones for him, I would 100% do that because at least we know Joe Mixon is the clear-cut number one in that backfield. I don't know, bro. I, th- I think I'm I think I'm think good with Ronald Jones right now. I think if I picked him up off the wire,
0: I, I think I'm going to see what I got here. But – I would be a little bit nervous because we've seen this We've seen this before. Um, if you look at his game logs. Back in week three, week four, it was two consecutive big weeks. He was scoring touchdowns over 100 yards from scrimmage. And then we get to weeks nine and 10. Same thing. What happened last time, 14 carries, 19 carries. This time, 18, 11 carries. Then the next game, also against New Orleans, who was his next opponent, drops down to nine carries for 35 yards. The game after that, four carries for 10 yards. So we've seen this take a big swing. It does feel, though – like this, he didn't get snaps during that time. Like he was still not the guy leading the backfield in snaps. He was still sharing a lot. But over the last couple of weeks, he's been the guy who's kind of been dominating snaps. He's been playing on uh, like 60, 65% of the snaps. So it does actually feel a little bit different. I feel like Bruce Arians is actually committed to him. What does that mean in terms of fantasy production? I don't really know. It, it is going to depend very heavily on where the goal line work goes. Sometimes we're going to go to Barber, but they have shown that they want to give to Ronald Jones as well. So he scored a few touchdowns this year rushing. He's averaging four yards a carry, which is not great, but for Ronald Jones, it's like fucking you know all post <laughs> status over here. So Ronald Jones has looked better. He's definitely looked better this year than he did last year. Um, he's getting involved. I mean, the eight targets is obviously an outlier. It's a crazy, crazy number. It's a high number for any running back. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe Jameis likes what he sees in, in Ronald Jones, and um, they've been talking him up. So it seems like they're more bought into him. And if he keeps seeing you know forty out of the sixty offensive snaps week in and week out, I feel like he's going to keep um, producing. So that one's. Uh, I probably still lean Mixon over Ronald Jones if Gio misses time, but I think it's probably a lot closer for me.
1: Yeah. I think it's just like a combination of like, we know he isn't like an awesome running back and his schedule just doesn't do him any favors. And if you picked him up off the waiver wire, which is probably where he was at two weeks ago, um, you could definitely get a good return on that investment and get somebody who either has a good schedule or like a Dave Montgomery coming off of a poor game, maybe throw another piece in there to secure him. Um, but I guess if he's like a flex play for you, like a second flex in the deeper league, I'd keep him at that price. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of bought into on on how they're using him right now.
0: Let's let's talk about a, a few other maybe controversial guys. Um, I'm only, I'm not going to get into Cooper Cup. Obviously he's coming off this terrible game if someone for some reason is selling him at a lower price buy him. What about OBJ? Because OBJ has been terrible and I don't see any sort of like, I don't care about the schedule now. He has a couple easy games. It just there's just nothing there, right? Like he's not like rest of season. I feel like he's still. I mean, he goes five for fifty-five every game. It feels like that's <laughs> that's what his that's what his game week in and week out is. And I'm not paying for someone who we think has a hypothetical ceiling because he did it, you know, a year
1: two years ago. It just I don't know something's off there, and he's not someone I'm looking to buy at all. Yeah, and if you look at his schedule, right, it's not even like that great. He gets the Steelers yeah. this week, which is awful um Dolphins is good Steelers again awful Bengals and Cardinals which is good and then he finishes with the Ravens who have looked awesome uh, recently so there's like two or three games sprinkled in there and they're not even like one of them's not even in the playoffs so I'm not completely in on buying him just because his offense as a whole looks terrible and Baker Mayfield like came out and said yeah I can't throw to him when there's more than one body like within 10 yards of him so I don't know if there's any confidence there Um, he hasn't really shown any breakaway speed or any breakaway plays and it's no fault of his own, but, like, since week three against the Jets, he really hasn't done anything this season. Yeah, it's just not there. They're, like, forcing targets to him, which I guess
0: you should be because he's OBJ, but Jarvis Landry's pretty much taken over the role as the number one, and now they're using – Kareem Hunt on nine targets on Sunday, so, like, they – I don't know. it just – something is really off there, and I I think you're getting way too cute if you're trying to buy – OBJ um, yeah
1: and the other thing is last game they had like nine straight plays from the one or two yard line it was ridiculous and they just ran up the middle maybe like five or six of those times and I don't even think they looked at oh no they looked at Odell one time and you draw a P- he drew a PI but when you have somebody who's been just a dominant red zone and end zone threat throughout his entire career you drop more plays than just one fade to him in the end zone when you have nine attempts yeah a couple other
0: guys uh, a couple other running backs that I think we should touch on real quick James Conner and Damian Williams I don't, I don't think people have realized just how big of, like, an opportunity share Damian Williams is taking this Kansas City backfield because, um, I mean, they had – I don't understand what the fuck they're doing there with LaShawn McCoy. They're saying this is a, a scheduled rest day. Like, this is not the NBA. You can have six days throughout the week in order to give him that. But Damian Williams has absolutely uh, dominated snaps since LaShawn McCoy has kind of faded out of the offense. I mean, week nine it was 43 snaps to six snaps for McCoy – Uh, Week 10, McCoy didn't even play. So it was all Damian Williams. He's getting the touches. He's getting the receiving work. He's getting uh, everything that you could ask for. He hasn't produced at a high level, really. um, So you might still be able to, you know, buy him on the cheap for what people might not consider to be like the Kansas City workhorse. But he absolutely is. Uh, It's going to be a little bit interesting because he did fumble in the game to see if maybe they have LaShawn McCoy active next game day. Uh, But I feel like Damian Williams is in a prime position to buy. I think James Conner is really interesting, too, because he's dealt with these injuries. But James Conner, prior to going down, was over the last month of the season, was averaging 25 half PPR fantasy points per game. This is an offense. It's not even an offense that's good, but this defense has made this offense so good. Like Mason Rudolph is whatever on, you know, throwing the ball. I don't really care about that part of the game. But the defense is causing turnovers. They're not letting teams drive against them, setting them up in good field position. Conner was getting all the work. And I think with the timeout, I was a little bit nervous with him being out. Jalen Samuels may be taking over more of that role. When he was gone, but Samuels has been horrible on the ground. He's shown good pass catching ability because that's what he does. He's a pass catcher. Anything behind him, Benny Smell, Benny Snell, Trey Edmonds, whatever. Um, none of those guys are a threat to James Connor's workload. So if you can get Connor right now for the cheap, because I expect him to come back this week, he's someone that I, I would definitely be looking to buy right now.
1: Yeah, and you look at James con James Connor, James Connor's schedule upcoming. Uh, he gets the Browns, the Bengals, the Browns again, the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Jets. And the Jets are like the only above average run defense over that span so yeah he has a great schedule and I assume by the time they bring him back because it's not like they're losing games without him Uh, when they bring him back he's going to be healthy Jalen Samuels has no role in this offense when James Conner is healthy because he has looked awful on the ground and James Conner is a good enough pass catcher that they're not going to take him out on third downs in favor of Jalen Samuels so I think that he could return easily RB1 value if he comes back fully healthy but um, the owner that has him probably won't even sell him at, at an RB1 price because they need wins now most likely with him being out past few weeks and um with them being desperate they might sell him at an rb2 price for instant production if they don't know that he's going to be healthy coming into this week um so if that's the yeah. case i would completely go in and snag him yes go get connor go get williams go get the carolina
0: wide receivers go fucking go Sweet we didn't mention him but go sell derrick henry because <laughs> why, why the fuck <laughs> not he's every other week um that's all we got for this week though Make sure you come back next week if you are gearing up for the fantasy playoffs because we're going to break down all the positions and the top streaming options looking forward because I don't really care about – like, I'll start stashing multiple players now. Like, I'll start stashing two defenses. I remember last year at one point I think I had three on my team. If you have room because you're past the buys, you're not looking for upside guys anymore because we're at fucking week 11, 12. You're not going to find breakout wide receivers at this point in the season. So you have your starting wide receivers. You have maybe one backup. Um. So you have a little bit more room to play with in your roster. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button if you enjoyed the video. Make sure you're following both of us on the Twitter. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. And if you want any exclusive content from the boys over at Big Dogs, you can get that at patreon.com slash B-D-G-E. My week 11, week 10. What week are we in? This is me week 11. Week 11 rankings will be live Tomorrow, before Thursday night football kickoff, for myself, for Mr. FB God, see y'all next week.